I'd love to be able to, you know, interview or just sit down and have a chat with, you know, Matt Davies, the lead singer of Funeral for Friend, or Chris Coombe Roberts, the guitarist, and just ask them what music they think they were writing. You know, what genre <laughs> they think they were writing. Just be like, what genre were you, were you writing? Hey, up and welcome to the Temple of Blair episode 33. Shab, have you, have you done your, your uh, bench press yet? Have I have I done my bench press? Oh, you mean have I managed to? Well, to be fair, I was successfully doing the half reps. It's just the full rep. Look, it's been a, it's been it's been a week, and you need to do it. It was ninety five pounds. No, can you lift? Pounds. Can Fuck you can pounds. you lift? It was kilograms. Pounds. <laughs> All right, so you can't lift it yet. Okay, that's fine. Well, like two hundred pounds, mate. That you'll, you'll get. That. I don't know. You'll I don't get know. there. I don't know what the maths is. Fuck. Right, you'll get there. I did eight, all right. Well, I didn't do ninety-five the other night because I felt a bit, a little bit tired. I was a little bit tired, so I, I just settled for eighty-five, full, you know, full set, set eight, uh, five reps, all the way to the tits, as Dave would say. Good. And um, Good. and and just, just, I, I like. All right, you can, you can do eighty-five for next week. That's fine. I'll, I'll accept videos of that too. I think that's really good, though, Shab. Well done for doing eighty-five. Oh, thanks. Yeah. What, what's your personal best again? It doesn't matter what my personal best is. The no, point no, is, you're like, a... like, no, <laughs> You'll get there. You'll get 95, though. Don't worry about it. Oh, I, I, I won't worry about it, but thanks for the offer. I think it's really admirable, actually. Don't you, Dave? I've got full. I've got full faith in him. I just. I just want to. I don't care what weight it is. I just want to see a bar touch his tits. That's that's all that I want. To... <laughs> Bar's gonna touch your fucking head soon, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Confinement, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I did. I did my um my my night session workout with my little floodlight, and it was very good. I really like, enjoy my little my little sanctuary. Was it raining? <clears throat> no, I have done it in the rain though, and it does cover everything quite nicely. It was nice. fucking mad today though; like it was proper coming down. Right, news, boys. You got any for me? Yeah, um, I was right. You were right. The new Sabaton song about Russia is good, so Sabaton have never done a bad song about Russia. <laughs> I saw um, like a clip of the video and I was like, I can't. It's not. I don't like Sabaton. I was just like, I've seen this before somewhere. Yeah, you, the thing is, you've you've seen it before. You've heard this song before. It's very first two albums, but it's still good. It's still like, yep, this is what we want. Call do more of this. Bang, keep it keep it going for another ten years, boys. Cranking out bangers like this. Job's good. Interestingly, this kind of leads in. I was, I was, you know, what I started listening to today. Someone said I'd do like five months ago, but didn't. I started listening to Five Finger Death Punch. <gasps> like, see what I actually think of it. That is betrayal. It's not a betrayal at all because I'm just, I'm just affirming what we've said for a million fucking. <laughs> you know how like people say Slipknot is like Baby's first death metal band, and that's yeah. like how people insult Slipknot. This yeah. is like Baby's first Slipknot. Yeah. It's that. I mean, tonally, it's all over the place. The architecture's there. It's like that sort of. It's a. Imagine it's a. It's a Pantera mix with, with like backing tracks and like more layered synth kind of work. Yes. And there's a bit more layers to it, right? So there's there's loads of potential there for a really cool sound. But sometimes the tone just all over the fucking place. And I found the song which goes oorah. Mm. I think it's no one left behind in. Yeah. Um, on the album, what's it called? I think it's aptly. I think it was aptly named like "War Is the Answer." Yeah, <laughs> I, think. I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, I'm. What did I call it? I call it nine eleven metal. Yeah, I'm absolutely still behind that 
there's just some bits where it, like it just sounds like it was written by a five-year-old i mean i can see why some people get it i mean my, my argument in favor of five finger death punch is like if it gets people into metal great but it's like if you if going into five finger death punch is what got you into metal it's like fucking uh what's an appropriate analogy it's like Gigi allen got you into fucking music it takes like it takes a bit to get out of the headspace <laughs> and into the real world. Yeah, I get that. I get that. But yeah, you know, it's it's not trash. It's it's got it's something something. There's something there um, which has been dealt with in a very irresponsible way. Is is the my sort of like diplomatic way of saying it. But again, some people like it, so maybe I'm full of shit. But I just can't. Maybe it's like because we're like pre nine eleven kids, and we're like. By the time you get to like the era of Five Finger Death Punch, the aesthetic of the U.S. Marine Corps is just fucking tried, and yeah. to to like for it to infiltrate music is just an insult to my own aesthetical tastes. Thing, thing is, Jim, I don't even think it's like the spirit of the U.S. Marine Corps. It's people who are kissing the ass of the U.S. Marine Corps. And does the U.S. Marine Corps need its ass kissed? Yes, it does. But is there a way to do it? Yes, there is indeed. And as I've said before, a five-finger death punch done it wrong. Yes, they have. Yeah. <laughs> and no comment from me because I've never heard them. And no, I've no interest whatsoever in listening to them. So. Spare yourself. But no, the, it, it, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's because deep down, despite my Yorkshireness, I'm still a fucking Englishman at heart. And, you know, I, I don't want things that are rude and uncouth, you know, and I think they just look <laughs> way too American about them. And, but, you know, whatever. Mm, like why uh, Attila didn't appeal to you then? Ah, oh, fucking quite hell. Possibly, yeah, quite possibly. Listen to Attila as well, didn't I? Yeah, I heard, like I heard a- you didn't like him. It's not I didn't like him. I actually liked him a bit more than Five Finger Death Punch. It's just a bit... I, f- I felt that one was more difficult to reconcile because it was so on the nose with the misogyny. And I never thought I'd find myself saying that, considering <laughs> we talk about separating the art from the artist quite a lot. I just found, I, I can't tell if I find it politically repugnant or socially repugnant or just cringy. I haven't decided what camp it sits in. I, I'm in camp cringe. <laughs> Oh, uh, what what was it you were listening to specifically? What album it was the or? new album where every it's like they don't have a snare drum; they just say "bitch." What <laughs> villain? As in the late? I think that's the yeah. latest one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'll probably that was something I took away from listening to it. That it probably contains the word "bitch" more than any other album uh, ever. But I mean, that that comes with the territory, doesn't it? I mean, a lot of bands do that. Um, this is the thing, and that's why I'm like, I'm not in two minds about it. I am like, I, I don't think I can, I can't, I can't make a, I can't make a thing out of this. I can't come back to it too often. But at the hmm. same time, it's like oh, I'm not gonna. If they came out and said, "Look, this is a, this is a band and a music that was designed for the BDSM community," I'd be like, "All oh, right, okay, well, in its own context, it completely works." Hmm. If you're expecting me to go to like, say, a Metallica show and they're supporting, I'd be like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" Yeah. Well, the kind of the kind of a relic of uh, that time when scene was dominating again, you know, in like sort of two thousand and two thousand and five to two thousand and ten era, where uh, it was a different time politically, anyway. And I think like misogyny was a bit more uh, rampant in in the scene, uh, and it was a lot more casual. I mean, I remember going to a We Came as Romans concert, and there was a guy in the queue in front of me wearing a Bring Me The Horizon t-shirt with just massive block letters across the entire back of the shirt, quoting Bring Me The Horizon, saying, you 
And, and can you bleep that so no one can quote me on that, please? <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, but you know, that's just like no one blinks an eye when, when it's a load of scene kids together because it's just something that's done. It's just part of the lyrics, just part of that, uh, part of that scene, really. You know, part you of the lyrics like, that Ollie Sykes were writing at the time. Do you think? It, yeah, do you think it's like a Venn diagram? That's like a pie chart over at the label where Attila are, and they go right. So under normal circumstances, right, we've got this thrash band. We're going to lose this. We're going to lose fifty percent of the audience because they re- prefer this kind of thrash, and this audience because they don't like thrash at all. That leaves us with five percent of the market to exploit this particular act on. But in Attila's sense, it's like we've lost seventy percent of the audience due to cringe. Yeah, I think they've em- just embraced that. Really, they've embraced being the band you love to hate and. Uh... It is what it is. I mean, I think they just uh, fr- thrive on that kind of uh, hatred. It's, it's the same sort of um, exposure and clout that rappers like to get when they, you know, yeah. they're thriving on uh, controversy and, you know, evangel- evangelical Christians saying that this music isn't appropriate for their kids. You know, that's what they thrive on. Fair enough. I didn't know there was like an angle to it. You know what I mean? I, all I heard was fucking hell. What's he on about? Well, I yeah, I don't want to say I'm I'm the spokesman that are capable of you know. No, you just said that. Repre- where, well, I'm not the spokesman. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm saying this is my take on it. Having having seen these kind of lyrics before, especially in that era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, no. I see. Where you, I see where you're coming from. I mean, to be honest though, it does sound good. Like the music um, musicianship is that even a word? Yeah, it is a word. Yeah, yeah. great. That's convenient because I just said it. But yeah, I think. I like it when you send it me and go, that's a trivium solo. I think mm. that's fun. But, yeah. um, well, it, it's quite good as workout music. And when you're working out, you're not paying attention to the lyrics necessarily. Uh, yeah. you just hear, you know, just the word bitch catches your ear now and then. Like in between the rest or whatever. If you listen to Man of War, then you would pay attention to the lyrics when you work it out. Well, <laughs> oh, that's another note I have about Five Finger Death Punch. Yeah. They're like, you know, like Manowar, like a parody of metal, although they're at least a parody of a certain type of metal. Five Finger mm-hmm. Death Punch are a parody of 2010's metal. Yeah, fully. Absolute parody. Anyway, just to jump back. Well, speaking, of, speaking of parodies, because this um, transitions quite nicely into one piece of news I had. Uh, well, we all know the, uh, the sort of parody post-hardcore band, the Oakley Doakleys. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we <laughs> the, do. The, the Ned Flanders post-hardcore band. Yes, the uh, Nedcore band, as they call themselves, don't they? Yeah, yeah. That, no one's ever listened to more than one song by them. So oh, that that that's funny. Yeah, we've all and, one and then move on. <laughs> Did yeah. you see the you saw the uh, the Hard Times parody, which was um, fucking hell, what was it called? Oakley Doakley, a skeptical that Homer themed hardcore band are going to return their gear. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of one piece of news, I'd I'd never I wasn't familiar with this band. Have you familiar with a band called Max Sabbath? Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to explain who they are then, but I guess for listeners, they're a McDonald's-themed band that sort of, I don't know, following the footsteps of Black Sabbath. I guess yeah, that speaks they, they for itself. Do, they do Black Sabbath music, but the lyrics have got the same um, melody to it, but it's all songs about fast food and McDonald's, so I Am Iron Man becomes I Am Frying Pan. <laughs> I, do, I don't know why I'd never heard of this before. It's quite genius. Um, <laughs> they're, but they're releasing a pop-up book, basically. Um where I'm sure they're going to get sued by McDonald's for it, but uh, <laughs> it looks it looks pretty good. Uh, send you a cheeky link, shall I? Oh, we do love a cheeky link. You can just uh, let me know what you think of that pop-up book. I mean, if I'd actually heard of the band, I would be quite keen to get that. It looks pretty cool. 
and um, I can't send you the fucking link. Because, oh, there we go. It's finally loaded on web. I fucking hate WhatsApp, by the way. There we go. Can have a little look there at the Max Sabbath pop-up book. Cool. So it's basically like a very dark children's pop-up book of, uh, I don't know, evil fucking McDonald's characters. It's protected under parody, so they won't get sued for it. Mm. Yeah. Or at least if they get sued for it and they lose, they've got a shit lawyer. I'm sure they mm. do. This, this sort of reminds me of um, Odorous Urungus from Guar reading um, Goodnight Moon, the kids' book. It was ace. Mm. Yeah, right, I like, I like the artwork. About? Yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? It is quite, quite well done. I'm yeah. impressed. You don't yeah. usually see that. Uh, my next piece of news is more related to metalcore, and um, and also and also because you know YouTube guitarists are a you know regular theme on this podcast. It links into that as well. The news being that the all that remains vocalist Phil Labonte is working with Nick Nocturnal, if you're familiar with him, nope. on an early two nope. thousands metalcore project. So you don't you don't know uh, Nick Nocturnal? No, nope. He's a uh, I mean he he, he kind of is into metalcore deathcore death metal sort of thing he's quite a big guitar player on youtube i mean again i don't i don't follow any of them religiously um i've definitely linked you to a reaction video he did though of um the new attack attack single yeah. <laughs> if you remember that way it was just he just keeps repeating the word crab and i was really pissed off about it <laughs> I, remember, yeah, I remember you remembering it i didn't see it yeah it's just the lowest fucking common denominator sort of humour where it's just on stream and everyone's mm-hmm. fucking throwing money at him for saying crab all the time. It's like, fuck my life. Um, but yeah, he's basically he's announced that he's going to be writing an early 2000s metalcore EP slash album. Um, that's a very specific yeah, challenge. That's what I... That, I mean, it's interesting that he's so... I don't know, perhaps that's a little... Um, throwing a bit of shade on the later, the more modern branches of metalcore there. Mm. But there were some there were some interesting comments on that article as well. I'll, I'll quote this one because it, it ties into what we were talking about with like, um, you know, feuding for a friend and uh, cool switching age. Uh, I was trying to think about what the difference is between early two thousands metalcore and today's metalcore, and all I could come up with is that it's a lot more genty today. The early two thousands was influenced by melodic death metal, and today it's influenced by Meshuggah and Periphery. Yeah. All because of technology, it sounds a lot more sterile now. If I'm wrong, please correct. And everyone agreed. So. That adequately demonstrates, like, you know, when I when you send me a band, I'm like, fucking hell, I just can't quite, I can't quite grasp this. Mm. That's why. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of fucking sound gates and noise gates employed in modern metalcore to the point where it is like robotic and sterile, sterile, and so and like periphery sort of uh, pride themselves on not trying to sound too robotic, but I can I can definitely understand if someone criticizes their music for that because it does sound a little bit robotic and a bit a bit too perfect um you know because it's all chuggy chuggy zero zeros rest zero zero rest sort of thing and you know there's there's so much like completely empty space in between it just sounds very it does sound very robotic and i can i get that criticism it's not really a feature of early modern car uh metal car rather fucking um but yeah i just thought that was a that's an interesting little throwback because I, uh, I mean, Buried Tomorrow, their more recent albums, they were saying they were trying to go back to the roots of metalcore and stuff, and that sound 
really to me was like downhill for them. So uh, I, f- I think people have different opinions of what fucking classic metalcore is. To be honest, I've been in my head. I'm thinking core progression is one diminished. No, no, yeah, diminished sixth, fifth, one. That's that's the starting point for like what we're regarding as like early two thousands metalcore. Mm. Off you go, boys. I'd like to hear some more of this. But no, it's interesting how like one I was I was obviously the new Evil album came out and I was reading a lot around them because they're kind of heralded as like a, a thrash revival band from two thousand seven. But it's been like two thousand seven up to now. What at what point do we stop calling it thrash revival and start calling it thrash in a similar capacity? Mm-hmm. At what point did we start calling early sort of 2000 metal call like a nostalgic sort of callback thing? Do you know what mm. I mean? It's like, I'm interested in sort of like when, when do people understand there being a fork in the road and going, all right, well, then metalcore turned to this Mishra thing. And then, you know, the, de- the melodic death metal element of it kind of died off. I'd be interested to understand when people, where it started all sort of diverting. Cause this is exactly what I'm talking about in terms of like, I regard early um, what they're regarding as early 2000 metalcore. I regard as new wave of American heavy metal because it just makes more sense to me. It's more accessible than modern day metalcore, and mm. it just it had that same kind of effect which we're told the new wave of British heavy metal had. It was kind of like a cross invasion thing. So that's well, it. It's, it's, just, it's just trends it's that really. It's it's, it's 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 all trends really because there's still bands that are carrying the flag of say what you would consider classic metalcore or the sound that again what i would argue bands like funeral for a friend and and kill switch engage established with the sort of well it's what, what you described as like chug chug lead chug lead chug lead talk, sort of thing mm. whereas now it's a lot more just chug 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 and maybe like some dissonant fucking chord that no one can actually name somewhere you know somewhere high up the high up the fretboard and then back to your chugs again yeah. um but bands have been i mean that that becomes popular and i think i mean p- people are arguing again that sempiternal was like the greatest metalcore album and saying it because it influenced what modern metalcore is and, and you know if that's true then i think all you can say is that okay bring me the horizon in their simplicity and their sort of rudimentary approach to songwriting Okay, simplified metalcore. So that that's the argument there. That there's no there's not much lead because they're not technically gifted enough to throw in the lead there, <laughs> um, or they're too lazy, I guess. Because I mean, their early their early stuff was quite technical, but um, I suppose Sempiternal is sort of a, a turning point in a way where it's a lot. There's a lot of focus on just trying to be heavy and not trying to be technical. And yeah, metal. I don't think metalcore in its early inception was just you know, solely focused on trying to be heavy. <laughs> and you see you see the same thing with Bray Tomorrow, really, where their first two or three albums is juggly, juggly te- technicality. It's not too heavy, you know, and then it turns into a lot more monotonous, chugging, thrashiness, which is not really my thing. Uh, but I think that sort of covers the different styles that you see in the metal core. But again... There's bands like Polaris that are doing the sort of chuggly, chuggly thing these days. And that's just as popular as things like, well, it's not just as popular, but it's popular. And then bands like Architects that are still continuing the 
the more genty side of things, I suppose. It should be. It'll be interesting to see. I think. I think my main point is just to bring it back to the hot take, right? It'll be interesting to see what we the hot take. This is the uh, shout hot take for a few weeks ago, saying like early kill switch is quite reminiscent to early funeral for a friend. But for, yeah, funeral for a friend were kind of given post hardcore emo status, whereas kill switch were like the pioneers of this metalcore sound. It'll be yeah. interesting to see what the nostalgic look back is and how they recreate that sound on these projects, because then we can sort of go, look, these are more, these are way more similar than we thought. Mm. maybe the hot take all of a sudden turns to a cold take because it's accepted as a conventional observation and we should all apologize to the welsh uh and the welsh lads well yeah well it's like it's like what i said to you i mean we, we have we haven't done anything to get any closer to this goal but i'd love to be able to you know interview or just sit down and have a chat with you know matt davies the lead singer of funeral friend or chris Coombe roberts the guitarist and just ask them you know what they think what music they think they were writing you know, what genre they think they were. Just be like, what genre were you were you writing? <laughs> hang on, hang on, wait, wait. Look, I've got let's a question for this, Shab. Let's put this to bed now. Yeah. I've got a question for Shab. Uh, what, what, do you, what did you think you were doing? <laughs> yeah, what What the fuck were you doing? Yeah, I like talking. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, in a nice way, because obviously like, I'd just be sort of probably fanboying out if I was able to sit down and have a chat with them. Yeah, they won't have you. No. What are they all doing now? I know Matt Davis is like he's, he's in Germany now, isn't he, or something? Yeah, he's working for a record label in Germany. And then uh, Chris Coon Roberts, the guitarist, who was really probably responsible for a lot of those metal core wrists, is uh, working at a guitar shop, I think, in London. And then loads of the, the rest of them seem to have moved to America for some reason. None of them stayed in Wales, basically, is the takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> They've all fled the country for a uh, tax dodge. <laughs> Yeah, because Wales is known for its harsh and oppressive tax. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's, it's the tax. I don't think that's the issue with Wales. I think there's a lot more pressing issues. <laughs> you have to give three lumps of coal over to the alderman. <laughs> the alderman. Yeah, let's not let's not let's not uh, dive too you know too far into harsh criticism because still <laughs> I still want to get I still want to get him on the. the I know I want to unpad the inner workings of. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Welsh infrastructure. I'll I'll tell my, I'll tell my opinion backed up by a story after you've interviewed them. Then because after I tell my opinion and story, they probably won't want to talk to you. <laughs> oh yeah, save it, save it for the love of God. Um, right. So can we uh, can we move on before this gets any more insulting? No. Oh. Yeah, it's fine. No, it's not insulting at all. It's fine. It's 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 just a bit of a laugh. Point being, no, it's, it's a laugh. It is a laugh. It is a laugh. We we say it. Stop trying to cancel us. We we think we think it's a laugh. But uh, yeah, I think that hot take has grown some arms and legs, hasn't it? Interestingly, Mm. yeah, that's my takeaway. Well, my my only aim is to just get the metalcore fucking genre thrown into their Wikipedia page. That's that's all I want. Which I could do myself, to be fair. Melodic hardcore alternative rock screamo. Yeah, they're definitely not. Just just that's not good enough. It's not we'll do it. We'll get. We'll it. get there. We'll get there. Well, once we've got him on the podcast and he confirms that, although he probably won't, he'll be too like any band. They'll be too like humble about it. Be like, oh, we're just doing our own thing. But no, say it. Say you were doing metal call. <laughs> <laughs> we so you invented metal it. <laughs> invented it, did you? <laughs> yeah. Knew it. <laughs> you saying you invented it? I uh, I actually walked past. I randomly walked past them on the street once, and I was like, 
fuck? What the fuck? It was uh, back in my days at Manchester Uni. I just uh, was about to go home and I just walked past fucking like the whole band just walking on the street with a coffee. And I was like, oh. Like that's enough for a friend drink coffee. Yeah. <laughs> from, uh, it's from Costa across the coffee i think it, it, i mean it was close to manchester academy so let's just i'll just throw that out there it wasn't that random you know let me send that to blabbermouth let me send that to blabbermouth yep. even for a friend drink costa coffee yeah i uh, saw i saw phil demel from machine head about to go beat up a t-shirt seller outside the academy in manchester jesus did he actually do it I think he probably did. He was on the warpath. He asked me, mate, where he got his T-shirt from, and it was an obvious fake. <laughs> but, yeah, I think uh, we think Phil Demel from uh, Machine Head went to uh, went to beat up some London T-shirts. So he's back probably in violence again. now, didn't he? So I guess it was on brand. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I have no idea. Um, on the subject of YouTube guitarists, uh, <laughs> Stevie T. CVT, uh, one of the one probably one of the biggest guitar YouTubers on the platform. Uh, known, he's very similar to Davy Five Hundred Four in it, where Davey 504, start, yeah, yeah, he started as he started as quite a you know talented guitar guitarist, talented musician, um, with some intriguing, unique takes on different genres and, and and demonstrating his skills on the guitar, and then that eventually has just descended into content for kids where he's just repeating the same fucking fringy quotes and just become a parody of himself and he's memeing himself. So that's that's my introduction into who this guy is, by the way, Stevie D. Uh, he, uh, he, yeah, his, his account got hacked, basically, by some Chinese hackers, apparently, and they made all his videos private, changed his thumbnail, changed the name of his channel, and just started live-streaming some Chinese Bitcoin news. Uh, and just as of last night, he announced that he's got the channel back. So, did uh, they? Did were they holding it for ransom, or were they just doing it for a laugh? I don't know. Apparently, this has happened to a couple of other YouTubers where they agreed to be sponsored by some anonymous Chinese company, basically. And I guess what that involves is him handing out some details i mean I, I assume he won't be stupid enough to hand out his password but you know maybe he's handed out his name address and his email address and they've you know somehow used that and his mum's maiden name yeah to hack into the account and then i don't know i don't know what i don't know why they do it i mean i assume this, they, they think that they'll get enough exposure to this fucking bitcoin news video that they were streaming but i have no idea uh but yeah uh that was All's well that ends well, I suppose. Unfortunately, I have to bring you the good or bad news, depending on your perspective, that the channel's now back and he's free to scream like an idiot in front of the camera and uh, (laughs) appeal to all the fucking 11-year-old up-and-coming guitarists. You see, this is why... This is I mean, no, it's, we're at an advantage here in the Temple of Blair because no one watches or listens to this. So it's kind of like, this will never be a thing that happens to me, but it's it's kind of like... I have no intention of enabling ads on anything simply because if someone was to hack it and delete everything, it'd be like, oh, that's fine. I'll just re-upload them. But, but uh, Jim, how, if you don't run ads on this, how will you get some sweet, sweet free tat? I'll never get any sweet, sweet free tat. I get the sweet, sweet free tat I get are like 
amazing sort of conversations and, and dialogue. Boring. Fuck you, Shav. I like conversation, <laughs> mate. <laughs> no, uh, I don't. I'll never get any any kind of free shit. It's um, I don't know what I don't know what I'd get anyway. Like I, from the conversations I have, all I fucking end up getting is is, I don't know. I don't know how it works. T-shirts and stickers, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know the ins and outs of the uh, nepotist inner workings of the music industry to know how people get free shit. I say that I got like two quid off a Hellripper shirt, so maybe I have already penetrated that upper right, echelon of the industry. Absolutely. Let me move on to the, my final piece of news because you know this has just been. Well, you already know about this, but it's just so great. It's just <laughs> you can't you can't write this shit in the latest. Uh, uh, what is it? Marvel issue number one of Heroes Reborn, <laughs> in which Thor is seen spotting an a Monomath t-shirt. <laughs> and, and now when you go on that tweet, the relevant people at the side listed by Twitter are a Monomath followed by Marvel Entertainment. Stop there. Let's cut back to three or four weeks ago where um, Shab made a, a pretty... A uh, pretty profound comment about the different tastes that he and Dave had. Let's go. It's a bit like we're both fans of action films, but I like Arnold films and you like Marvel, basically. Oh. <laughs> oh. And I thought I'd oh. throw that one in. Oh. Shit you've said about periphery. Oh. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was fair game. An assault on my character is what it was. <laughs> well, apparently not. Apparently it holds some truth to it, doesn't it? Well, like I said, like I said with all this, Johan Egg's always up for a joke and it was him who pretty much shared it, wasn't it? So there we go. I mean, I should screenshot this while I can, really, of just a man of my followed by Marvel Entertainment because it's just so... Yeah. It's just... It, it's not coincidence. <laughs> I was going to say it's coincidence, but it's not coincidence. And it's it. It's. Uh, oh. I mean, you take you take the floor. I just want to enjoy this moment. It is. It is good. It means nothing. It's a sheer coincidence, and it's just quite yeah. funny that uh, I, mean, I made that comparison four weeks ago, and you're still butthurt about it. Yeah, because I'm, I'm resisting the urge to go go history nerd on it because it'll just make me seem more butthurt and go. Well, they're both they're both talking from the same mythological basis, and I wonder there's a comparison to them both. But I'm not going to say that. <laughs> no, I don't say that. But, uh, don't don't elaborate whatsoever on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, that that is a thing that happened. That is a thing that is is quite spooky that that happened. I'll give you that one. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god right it's kind of channel 4 secret metal ed anyway isn't it because it's like you mm. know there's someone who's working on this thing they'll like some uh, they like something like that and they go oh I've got a chance to slip it in and they just you know they just have done aren't they I don't think Marvel have gone oh yeah let's bang them on a math in it it'll have been the artist quite <laughs> likes them on a math he's got a chance to work on Thor so he paints like the, I think he's like a modern update isn't he he just paints him in a on a math shirt uh, well, let's not downplay it that much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, Thor is a, it's a, you know, a, a sort of a god of thunder. It, this, uh, I don't know. It, it definitely falls into this uh, childish mythological story that Monomath like to uh, narrate. Well, I'm saying it's like you know, it's, they're both working from the same source material, so no wonder that they, uh, you know, class together sort of thing. But it's not. Well, yeah, it wasn't well, find that it'd be in there, is it? Well, that just validates my point. I mean, please continue. I, I will sit here while you substantiate <laughs> my point with every utterance. <laughs> yeah, it's fine because it's like the point has been made. 
yeah, we're working from the same source material. Oh, don't, don't ever arrange a meeting between Dave and I, Jim, because we'll probably kill each other, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> not until you can bench press 95 pounds. Fuck off pounds. <laughs> not in America. <laughs> I want to have a very... Um, are you done with news, by the way? I, I, I think... Um, yeah, because I was going to address the, the, what was supposed to be this week's t- topic for the next 10 minutes. Um, you can do if you want. If, I've, I've on, I'm only going to talk a little bit about the Grey Cat, and that's all. Uh, you can go ahead and do that. Yeah, I just wanted... So the Grey Cat's got some more music out, and I, it occurs to me that we hadn't talked about the documentary that I did, the mini one I did. Um, so I'm just wondering if you've, if you've heard it. Well, you didn't link it to me, so I obviously made no effort whatsoever to seek it out. I'm pretty sure it's more Beethoven stuff from previous... I think it's previous recordings. I'm sure of it. It's you done it again, guys. Right. So does that mean you disapprove? Not really. I'm, I, I think... I think... I don't know. I, don't, I think there's bits of new stuff and bits of old stuff. I just can't get... You know how it's like... It's just all over the fucking place. Like her entire brand, is, there's no there's no strict discography of what she's delivered. And it, it it's kind of like... Hmm. Here's like three studio albums and then there's like a billion EPs and then there's everything else is singles, but the singles have like 10 of the songs on the singles that have, that are all one minute long. It's just yeah, like, it's, it's very, it's very stream of consciousness in a music form. Yes. But she's also done a video interview, which I was like, Oh, you fucking what? You cheeky bugger. Somehow though, the gray cat mini doc outdoes the roadrunner doc by a considerable margin. Uh, I don't understand. Nice I don't understand why. Work in that. You what? In the Great Cat Doc, there's a lot of there's a lot of video editing and clipping together in that. Yes, there's a lot of that. Have you actually watched it? I've watched parts of it. Yes. Fucking hell, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Can you believe this shit? Uh, I can't. You can't, can't believe it when I see it. Gold, gold, gold record. It's gold record. And you got to go with the uh, most famous people. Dino Cazares and the Great Cat, both on the same pedestal. Wow, we. Wow, well, I, just, I just think the fact that it's a shorter video on YouTube for most people who are just casually browsing or searching that that appeals to people. Really. I think, like, yeah, I think like the Great Cat is like a known. She's she's a known sort of not controversial figure, but she's a known oddity, um, and it's just over what half an hour, forty minutes, so it's kind of palatable in the background. Um, whereas, like the Rudder and Doc is like it's pure fucking research of shit that no one's known for like four years. So it's like, not to blow smoke on my, my ass, this is what I've been told by people who work at Roadrunner. There's shit on there that no one knows about. So it, it, it's a different kind of experience, I think. I'm not bitter. No, no, you're not. No. <laughs> well, I mean, well, that will be redeemed in time, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure it will as well. Um, and I'm quite happy that people like the Great Cat video more, but it's just, it, I, I laid down the challenge for it. I said, I want the Brandenburg Concertos in half an hour, all of them. And she has not uh, risen to the challenge yet. <laughs> Well, she does. She never come across as the kind of person who's just going to do what you say on a whim. That's a good go point. Yeah, <laughs> if anything, she'll go exactly the opposite way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's nice to see she's cracking on though. Yeah. I, I did fuck up on that one because they'll tell you what happened. I, I, I told her that I'm doing a, a documentary about a little mini doc about her. We'd already done like the email interview, which is available on the site, and then I think she got the wrong end of the stick. First of all, there's a bit in the doc where I talk about how all the new stuff is just all her old stuff, but recompiled into a minute long 
like video or something or like 250 seconds of, of music. She rightly calls me out and says, actually, no, this is all stuff that was recorded in 2020. I was like, fine. So I took that bit out. My fuck up. I say my fuck up. I don't blame myself considering like, if you look at the website, if you look at the press releases, if you look at every email, it's like, it's so hard. It's so hard to sit here and figure out what she's saying. Cause it's like all copy and pasted press stuff. It's crazy. It's fucking crazy. Um, that was a fuck up. And then she basically said, right. Okay, Jim, now that you've, you've corrected that now I include the promo for the new album I've got coming out back in December. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm just not going, not because I don't love you, cat, but simply because that wasn't, that wasn't the plan. That's uh, this the, was, cat, that's not the deal. No, Cause it wasn't, it wasn't anything. The, the interview was completely separate. The only reason I was telling her that I was doing a mini doc was just a courtesy. Hmm. Um, yeah. If I had, if I had time, I probably would have done. In fact, I think I link it at the end, but I don't like, I don't like give any, I think she wanted me to like praise it and do a review and things like that. Um, fair enough but well, if, you, if you did a if you actually did an audio or video interview with her then there would have been a time and a place to actually praise it and promote it and give her a chance to talk mm-hmm. about it but it's not really your job to you know sit there in a fucking documentary video and be like oh this new album verse is really good like track number two really i mean it's just it's totally out of place isn't it my favorite queen albums are the ones after Freddie died <laughs> so it it, it it yeah no you're absolutely right but um no, it, just, it definitely I felt weird at the time, but since then she's just not spoken to me, so that's fine. That was inevitable. I mean, <laughs> judging by all the interviews that you had with people like that had come in contact with her over the years, that seemed to be that seems to be the pattern. So I've been told I should wear it as a badge of honor. <laughs> yeah. But all right, shall we shall we I'm move on to... because we've only got a limited amount of time to address this this uh, the fucking topic of this week, which is sure, I'll, I'll run out saying we all love Cap. Crack on. Yeah. All right. So the topic, as you know, is the most overrated bands in metal. What have you got for me, boys? Oh, go on, Dave, you start. Um, um, I forgot this was the topic. I've been trying to think of my top five gigs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Ooh, I, ooh, tool. Tool. I don't get Tool. Uh, that's fair. I don't get Tool at all. I don't get the massive thing behind them. I've sat down and tried listening to Tool in like sober and non-sober states and tried having discussions with people and I I don't get them. Yeah, I get the fact that they've written an album where it's like maths and you can play these tracks together and they make a new track. That's that's fucking brilliant, but it just, it it doesn't do it for me. But, you know, I like like Maynard James Keenan as a person. I think he's really interesting. I think he's a stance on... Uh, veganism and putting, finding out his wine was vegan, so he put bacon and it was genius and all this sort of stuff. You know, so that sort of thing I love about you know I love about him. I'd love to have a fucking chat with him and stuff. But yeah, his, his music I just it don't click with me. Um, uh, that's fair enough. You don't yeah. you don't need to justify it. I mean, I don't like him either, and I just say it's good. <laughs> <shit. laughs> yeah, I think with this, it's like stuff like that. You got to give reasons because every time you do it, there's people go, "Whoa, you don't like Tool? How can you like Tool?" Blah, 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 blah. It's like, yeah, I've heard all the good shit about them, but don't do it for me. I I have nothing music. to add. I've nothing to add there. That's pretty much my exact experience as well. Right. What, that, that's just your candidate for most overrated bands or just what you consider no no tool? as in like that's that's what i feel about tool it's just um mm. it's quite once you i guess this is the thing if you're not there from the start it comes across as quite pretentious and that's mm. an off-putting factor in itself well the thing is they they were releasing music that they're like 
their prime was when we were quite young and that we probably, well, at least me personally, when I was 12, I wasn't the kind of person that was going to seek out fucking six minute long tracks that were pretty dull that, you know, tool were releasing back then. So if you can't get into it back then, it's difficult to, to pick up now and be like, oh yeah, yeah, that's quite good actually. Um, yeah. I think because, you know, when you're younger, the, what you what you listen to at the time just defines your taste quite heavily, I suppose. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's been the same for all of us where we're just too young to appreciate at the time and now it's it's just passed us by. Yep. But yeah, I agree that they're overrated as well because, you know, just from what I've seen, from what I've heard, uh, uh, you know, the sort of praise has been really intelligent music, but mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot more technical music. There's a lot more like conceptual, deep, intelligent, you know, it's just middle of the road if anything that's just somehow being propelled mm. to fucking heights of modern Beatles it's for some people yeah although, uh, although the song's sober now now I'm just like re- reminding myself of like Tool ironically enough the song sober is quite fun to sing when you're hammered <laughs> it's got that drunken sound like, why can't we not be so it's got yeah it's a sea shanty yeah <laughs> like a, I can uh, see why you my, my submission for the, the, the most overrated band is Queens of the Stone Age. Ooh, and I'd, I'd like to go one further. <clears throat> so post-2002, Queens of the, uh, Josh Homme um, was, in fact, so detrimental to music that anything you touch turns to shit. <clears throat> um, I thought you fucking loved Queens of the Stone Age. Fucking no way, mate. It's boring. What I'm sure it's... I, I, I love, I've been I, in Sheffield with you, and you've had nothing but the Queens Queen of the Stone Age album playing on repeat in your car, I'm sure of it. I, yeah, it'll be songs for the deaf. Can I yeah. love that album? Okay. <clears throat> then that's it. But people, I think like then it was kind of like that was the breakout album. It was, you know, they were a credible force we reckoned with, and that's a fantastic album. Everything after that was really slow, droney. Uh, people call it desert rock, but I'm pretty sure there was desert rock before that, and it was mm. more interesting. I don't even know what you can call it. It's just really morose and nonsensical. And people like really lap it up, and I'm just not sure why, but this is the problem I have with it. When Josh Homme gets involved with other acts, it just turns everyone else's music into boring fucking shit as well like he produced an Arctic Monkeys album ever since that album came out which uh, I think it was like 2012 maybe but basically mm. he produced an Arctic Monkeys album ever since Arctic Monkeys have been shit not that they, I, I liked my Arctic Monkeys prior to that I quite liked like the really a proper indie stuff um, then since he worked with Dave Grohl on the Sound City soundtrack that documentary soundtrack every Foo Fighters album has sound like just really samey no real there's no real i don't want to say structure i really should have like thought this through as to why i don't like them but it, it, it the songs themselves in my head don't form any th- kind of like hook melody there's no there's no form to it for me just mm. for me and loads of people really like it it feels like queen of the stone age post 2002 was very sort of formless and I can't latch on to any of it, even though loads of people lap it up. And I think that's not only is it a problem for Queens of the Stone Age, it's clearly a contagious thing because everything Josh Homme touches also suffers from that. There well, we it's go. It's strange because Songs for the Deaf is, is very much known for being, you know, Tight. well-structured, yeah, yep. catchy. There's no there's no sort of filler. There's no moment where it's boring because it's, it's constantly moving. If it repeats certain phrases, it, it changes them up a little bit. 
you know, I've seen, you know, I don't even listen to it that much. I just know this from watching fucking react reaction videos on YouTube of people that have randomly get recommended for some reason. Uh, so it's strange to hear you say that, especially thinking that you were a big fan of them as well. This is all massive fan of that album. And their earlier stuff, everything after that, formless. And I don't know why, uh, but they could, you could argue that Nick um, Oliveri, the bassist, once he left, maybe he took, maybe he took mm. the substance with him. But I know maybe, I'm, maybe I'm a massive. It's quite possible that I'm just a massive fucking moron, and I just don't see the potential there. Well, that that's, it could be both. <clears throat> it probably Definitely is be both. Yeah. Uh, Dave, Dave, thoughts on Queens of the Stone Age? Am I right? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan. Once again, I don't, I don't, I don't get them. They're one of them bands that you sort of like when they came on Kerrang and MTV2 back in the day, you'd leave them on in the hope that something better would be on afterwards because you couldn't be asked to change the channel. <laughs> my my candidates, and I say candidates because I, I have a few that I've you know made it, compiled a little list of. My most obvious one, which I've, I've already shouted this band, you know, so much it's like one of the staple bands are shitting on this podcast now is Bring Me the Horizon, obviously. Ooh, is it? Well, they they are massive. Well, obviously, yeah. Uh, I've said Paternal. I won't go into that anymore. I've already fucking talked about that in this bloody podcast. So <laughs> uh, I don't even I don't even need to talk about that. But they are massively over it. They are like one of the biggest fucking metal yeah. bands in music now these days. So that just speaks for itself. In and of itself, I don't need to say anymore. Um, I'm looking at lists. It's there's there's a lot of obvious candidates like Metallica, um, you know. What what would you what would you say to that? That's not controversial, I don't think. Would you consider that controversial? What the statement that the new Metallica it's, that, that uh, Metallica in general are overrated band of metal. Oh, um, um, oh, that's a really interesting thought. Uh, no, that's the the really still looking solid. Mm. Fucking solid. And I think you, I don't think they're overrated because not only even if you don't like anything past the Black Album or something like that, they're an image of what a band can turn into. They're a very their their story is one of like is really compelling because they because they're so far into what they were doing and they've gone through. Because the, how do I describe this? They're the only band that's sort of broken through to the mainstream in a, such a way, such a poignant way that everything they do is break, uh, sort of breaking new ground, right? Everything they do is breaking new ground just because of the way that they are and the, the position they are. It could, it, it could happen again, right? It could maybe like, um, maybe your favorite, Bring the Horizon, end up being like a new Metallica and everything that they do is, because they were so fringe and brought so far forward, everything they do is breaking new ground. So I don't think Metallica's overrated in that sense, right? I know there's a lot of like weird sort of gra- headline grabby things they do, like playing on every continent, they're going to do an acoustic gig, they're going to do this, but no metal band has reached their heights before, therefore everything they do is relevant. I think the argument that the like Bring Me the Horizon is sort of the Metallica of you know post hardcore metalcore etc is quite compelling because yeah they kind of do the same things in that they present what is popular in the genre at the time uh, but is but it's not quite as digestible to the masses and sort of you know streamline it and make it a lot more digestible and a lot catchier they take the catchiest sort of elements of different trends in the genre and then present it in a in a very lowest common denominator sort of package that is just going to appeal, you know, a lot more broader than 
the bands that were already doing mm. it, essentially. Because uh, I, I watched a YouTube video recently that went pretty deep into these claims of Metallica plagiarizing other songs. And uh, some of the examples were pretty compelling. I mean, it, they were definitely going down the rabbit hole of like very obscure new wave British heavy metal sort of bands and, and you know, random songs in albums that no one fucking listened to in the late 80s. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there were there were some compelling moments there where it's like, yeah, Metallica might have copied that riff. It's like super similar. But then you have to give credit to Metallica for like making the riffs a lot cleaner and hookier and more digestible than the bands were that, you know, had originally, well, allegedly originally come up with these riffs because they were almost like intentionally making it quite, you know, intentionally jarring and esoteric. So it's kind of their own fault for not being as big as Metallica in a way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Metallica were very obviously trying to appeal. Mm. So that's my, that, that's my take on Metallica. I disagree with your claim that they were trying to make themselves accessible. Really? Yeah. I think like, especially when you look at the early thrash stuff, there's just so, there's so many ways that it went and Metallica's was just the one that resonated. I don't think there was a design behind that to make it more accessible. I think I don't know. This this is like a, a this is a thing in, in of itself. Really, you could argue that they would they tried to make it more most accessible by hiring Bob Rock in nineteen ninety was it? Because that's mm. like the Black Album was like by design a commercial venture for the you know for the for the ages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because when they talk about like the making of that album, they said that Bob Rock said they had to like pick one riff and focus on that, whereas all the albums before it, each song had about five or six absolute banging fucking riffs in it. It's quite progressive, really. In the sense, and I, I, I sometimes think I don't appreciate Metallica for what they are, and it's conversations like this that really bring that out of me. It oh, well, is, I mean, I'm not critiquing, critiquing them for that. It's, uh, but they, they're obviously using these riffs in a lot ways that are a lot catchier than if you if say if you listen to this, watch this YouTube video that compares the uh, similar riffs. The similar riffs don't have that groove and don't have that catchiness that Metallica managed to capture in their take of it. Uh, you know, so. You know, music is all derivative of, of itself all the time. I know it's always sort of repeating oh, yeah. that people are always taking ideas from each other. So you can't really critique Pentelka for doing something that everyone else does, you know, allegedly. Oh, I don't God, know if no. they So, you know, if anything, it's, it's just, you know, they just found a formula that worked and they, and I think, I think personally they do present it because I can sit down and listen to Pentelka and enjoy it. But, you know, a lot of the bands that they're compared to, like even Megadeth, I don't really enjoy listening to. Hmm. You need to send me that video. I'm interested in this. Yeah, I'll have to find it. It's quite long. There's a lot of different comparisons. Um, a few other bands I'll just mention quickly because we don't have a lot of time. Uh, Avenged Sevenfold. Okay. Okay. I think... I really oh, the, the, the good album, every other album. Are they like Star Trek? Every well, other I mean, Star Trek film's good. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. The thing about the thing about Avenged Sevenfold is that they were almost like a the, the their aesthetic was very much like a, a scene band in a way, mm. but at the same time they were delivering like a, a brand of classic heavy metal almost, which sort of did you know it pissed metalheads the more purists off really that that the way they delivered that brand of metal. Yeah, so it was it was a strange like it's a little bit tri- like early Trivium when Trivium almost 
came across like a fucking screamo band, but a very technical screamo band uh, with fringes almost. And that was jarring to a lot of metalheads, but they've sort of embraced, you know, the, the more metal side, the more classic heavy metal side of their, their sound now, I think. Or at least the aesthetic. I don't know. Trivium, Trivium have gone in such weird directions. But yeah, perhaps the aesthetic. Maybe maybe you're right there. Yeah. But the Avenged Sevenfold, I don't buy. I I I, have, I fell off of the album before last. It's all fairly solid stuff. I think like City of Evil is completely the golden era. But maybe maybe you're mm. maybe you're right in terms of the overrated today. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, that's not. I don't necessarily agree with that. Mm. But Hail to the King. You what are you going to say? Hail, Hail to the King is. You can say shit. It's all right. I'll finish your sentence for you. It's it's, it's bad. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if Dave's completely cut off at this point, but I'll bring up another band quickly while we're, while we're on a roll. Ghost. I agree. I think they are overrated. Mm. Well, again, it's they're, they're catchy, aren't they? That, that's the thing. When they when they start um, presenting everything in a, in a neat little package, and they're so catchy. <laughs> You know, they have more mainstream appeal and then that sort of pisses off the purists and then they're considered overrated and it's just a fucking never-ending cycle. Um, is that bad, though? It's just, I don't know if it's bad, it's just it's just generally what seems to be what gets band labelled as overrated. Mm, I think it's when you're being sold an idea of something rather than the band itself. I think Nickelback suffered from this in a massive way. Hmm. Um, it was like there's some solid songs, and it's like, like this is Nickelback through and through. I kind of like I've warmed up more to Nickelback to, oh, after actually taking the time to listen to them a lot more. The songs are all there, but they've elevated it's it's been elevated to a point beyond relatability. And I think Ghost came out of the gate doing that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I I I, I probably throw them in the same. Same sort of list as Slipknot in that there's a lot of more aesthetic than substance, but that's going to get yes. killed by the mag- maggot fan base. So. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, I don't know. And, uh, Marilyn Manson one, no, as but... well. Marilyn, I definitely, Marilyn Manson is definitely ju- ju- someone who jumped on a bandwagon of edgy millennial mosher music with no fucking substance whatsoever. This is like another rabbit hole. This is a topic unto itself, isn't it? Maybe we should do like what? a part two of this one because we only had 10 minutes. Yeah, we could do. We can do. Uh, there's definitely a few other big bands in there that are even more controversial, I would say. Yeah, I've let's got, wait. Let's I've do more of this next week then. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. You, you, you want to... Shall we wrap it up? Is Dave even here to wrap it up? No, he's just texting me saying he's, he's, he's fucked off. Okay, fair dude. You wouldn't um, hear a bad word about Hail to the King. <laughs> Did you actually said that? Nah, no. He just uh, uh, disconnected. Oh, uh, uh, well, you can, you can let me know what his uh, opinion is afterwards. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll end on that controversial opinion that fucking Marilyn Manson is the part of something. See you, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Don't kill me.